This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the November 9th, 2022 edition of Views on the News from the Couch, a baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. I took yesterday off. The midterm election would be the obvious subject, and I had already set the table, so to speak. With no results yesterday morning, I felt like I would just be repeating myself. Maybe I should have tried because this morning there seems to be too much uncertainty to say much, but I will give it a go. I had already completed writing this podcast when I received a text and it gave me a thought. A couple of buddies were texting me last night and this morning on the election. There is a need for connection and conversation that has been lost, particularly from men. Women have kept it going a bit, but men not so much. I know in a small Virginia town, a group of guys years ago would meet at the Dairy Queen on the way into work for a quick bite and a coffee, catch up, talk news and politics. Now we do that on social media or by listening to a morning talk show like the Today Show or Fox and Friends, or have coffee with the ladies on The View. I'm not sure of the answer, but we are missing out. Now the quick hitters. Ukraine President Zelensky is under pressure from the West to negotiate with Russia, and he indicates he is ready to do so. He asked to have the territories returned in compensation for the attack before negotiations begin. Hopefully that is just his starting position. Facebook, Meta, is laying off 13% of its workers. Missouri passed an amendment approving recreational marijuana. I voted no mostly because it was a petition-generated amendment. I worry about those. But I do have three acres. Party anyone? The big loser in the midterm election might, just might, be Donald Trump. His candidates did not do well, and Ron DeSantis kicked some serious ass days after Trump used the nickname Ron Sanctimonious. Moving on. Well, this sucks. Kind of like if your parents canceled your birthday. Republicans had such high hopes for this election, it must have felt like their birthday. While the results are not all in, Democrats had a good night. The party in power is supposed to have a bad night in the midterm election, and Democrats kept the losses on the low side. How? First, they went into the night without easy pickings for the Republicans because Democrats had a narrow House majority. Usually the president would have pulled more marginal representatives into Congress in the preceding election. I think in 2020 that Republican candidates outperformed Trump, so there was less low-hanging fruit. The mix of the one-third of the senators up for re-election minimized the chances of Republican pickups. No, that is not making excuses, just facts. The common thread is that Republicans struggled with candidate recruitment. I buy that in New Hampshire and Georgia Senate races, but elsewhere I think it was more of a fabricated narrative. Democrats got out and voted. Probably too soon for the postmortem, particularly since some races are still being counted, so technically the patient isn't dead yet. How did I do? Two weeks ago, I predicted in the Senate it would be 51 Republicans, 48 Democrats, and Georgia going to a runoff. Currently, the count is 48 to 48 with four undecided. I put Alaska in the Republican column as the toss-up is between two Republicans. I called Pennsylvania for Republican Oz. Oops, looks like Fetterman will win by 2.5% with most of the votes in. The undecided states are Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia. 
Republican Johnson in Wisconsin is up by 1.2% with 94% counted. I called this for Johnson two weeks ago. Nevada Republican Laxalt is up by 2.7% with 80% counted. Nevada used to have a great get-out-the-vote machine, but with the death of Harry Reid, that machine may have faltered. I called this for Laxalt two weeks ago. Arizona Democrat Kelly is up by 6%, with 58% counted. I called this for Democrat Kelly two weeks ago. I'm holding out hope for this one, though you may question my sanity. Georgia is going to a runoff. I like being right. If Masters can come from behind and beat Kelly in Arizona, then it would balance out my Oz prediction being wrong in Pennsylvania. Seems like too big a difference to make it up, but I have hope because of the numbers in the governor's race. Makes me hope, maybe I should say dream, that the votes that remain are disproportionately Republican votes. On the House side, I predicted Republicans would gain 20 to 25 seats. The data is messy at this point. Real Clear Politics has it at 199 Republicans, 173 Democrats, and 63 undecided. I'm pretty sure Republicans will have control of the House, but be disappointed in the slim majority. A few other highlights. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida won by almost 20%, and Senator Rubio cruised to victory. I believe Republicans did well in the state legislature and other statewide offices. Governor Hochul of New York won by almost 5%. Closer than folks would have thought a month ago, a month or two back, but not nearly the upset some hoped for. Oregon incumbent Governor Kotick barely leads. Stacey Abram trails in Georgia by a bit less than 8%, and she conceded. Good for her. Beto O'Rourke quit as a Texas congressman, lost a Senate race, lost a presidential race in the primaries, and now lost his race for governor. That series of losses reminds me of Abraham Lincoln. Seriously, look it up. But thinking back to a 1988 vice presidential debate when Dan Quayle kept comparing his congressional legislative achievements to John Kennedy, I will create a quote, quote, me, making it up. I knew Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln was a friend of mine. Beto O'Rourke, you're no Abe Lincoln, end quote. The problem with writing this on the morning after an election is things may change before I even publish. Thanks for listening to Views on the News from the Couch. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends. If you did not like it, please share with the rest of the folks you know. 